What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk with Major League Fishing Pro Jacob Wheeler. We talk to Jacob about preparation before a tournament, being asked by a youth basketball coach to fake an injury, $38 hotels, and much more. We really enjoyed this episode and hope you guys do as well. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. We've got a cool episode today. We've got a great guest coming on in a little bit, but... Before we do that, as always, I want to go around the table, see what's going on with the guys, and uh, we'll have a quick chat before we bring on the one and only Jacob Wheeler. So, uh, Rob, we'll start with you, dude. Um, I know you're doing some uh, some housework, getting ready to do some fishing next week. What is the scoop? What are you doing? Well, every time I every time I do my own tile work, I seem to show the wrong buddy, like, hey, look what I did, and then I get conned into doing tile work. So, that's kind of what happened. Um, but it's for a really good friend of mine that, uh, shoot, I met him in my bass fishing club when I was 18 years old and, um, now I'm 50. So I've known this guy forever and we mountain bike together a lot and, uh, we've fished over the years. So he's a super good friend, but, um, uh, hopefully we can wrap that up this weekend and I've got some trips, uh, some guide trips next week and get back, get back at it, man. I'm looking forward to it. So. For you to do a tile job, it just boils down to seniority and a relationship, Rob, because I could certainly use some of your handy skills on my empire. It takes a little begging and... um, You're probably bougie. You probably have a real specific house that you tile you're not willing to do my level of stuff. Otherwise, I'll hire you. I'm like 10 miles east of Gold Canyon, so I don't know about bougie. (laughs) It's a very nice place. It's... uh, pretty cool mountain views and stuff but I mean, bougie. it, has, it yeah. has the word gold in it so i'm sure it's nice gold yeah. canyon man yeah. it just says it all yeah so that's uh that's been my every day for the last week and uh again i can't wait to get to guiding and and you know hopefully catching them hey are you going to so so it's been a little bit since you've been on the water regularly are you going to pre-fish for your guide trip if you can, I, dude, it's because I always wonder, like, uh, if I should. I always have. Yeah. I always have when I haven't been on the water. I'm, um, I guess if I run out of time, I'm going to do the the phone calls, which I hate to do. But <laughs> sure. hey, that's I'm right. definitely like like it's weird because it's been a while, and it's like you get that first trip feel again. You know, like you're a little antsy about it. But um, yeah, I'll definitely spend a bunch of bunch of time in my boat uh, organizing stuff. And this guy, I'll think I'm super organized and I'm not, but yeah. <laughs> so, are you the first trip I've done in six months? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know where you're going to go already? Is it like, I don't no. or Bartlett? Yeah. N- not sure. Not sure. Just depends on what he wants. Um, um, I have a, I have a feeling like he's a 
um, the one guy next week is a podcast listener because he he contacted Scooter and requested me or I've taken him out before. I don't know. I'm not sure. So we'll see. Awesome. Awesome. Just, just assuming. But Who wouldn't rec- request Rob? I think mm. you have a huge list of people. Someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they know him, they request him. That's for sure. What, uh, what's up your way, Nick? Not a whole lot, man. Just, uh, I have not been out on the water yet. I've even got a chance to christen the new McMurray pontoon boat, but that is coming. I, uh, successfully registered and got it all ready to go this week. So, uh, it it will get wet. One, um, exciting thing that has been going on in my life. I'll say it was a little disappointing, but it's finishing strong. Um, I saw Steve Rinella has an audio book that just came out called the meat eater campfire stories. I don't know how new it is, but it's pretty new. And uh, it's just kind of like it's like the the subtitle is like close calls in the wild. And so it's a bunch of different stories narrated by probably like guests, a handful of them are guests from his podcast and then like staff and stuff. And there's just close calls that have happened to these people while out doing their thing in the outdoors. And it's pretty tight. I just finished it yesterday. Um, I don't want to give away and ruin like a lot of the different stories, but a couple of them are pretty cool. Um, So definitely check that out. Nick, what'd you think of the Arizona game and fish officer? Okay. So you've listened to it, Rob? No, just so they, they just did that as a sampling on their podcast. I listened to it and like, I was super into it because obviously it's an Arizona game and fish guy. And dude, and he sounds cool as heck. So is there a whole episode with that guy? No, not a whole episode. They just went through his, I'm assuming it was just his, what you listened to on your, on your end. But, um, this guy was basically, um, just in short, I mean, he was so close to getting killed by this psycho guy that was out just (laughs) like the dude was murdering elk. (laughs) Yeah. Shot like 30, 30 or 35 elk, just killed him to kill him. Yeah. I know what I yeah. I thought he was going to be like, you know, cutting antlers off or something. And oh, no, he's just like laying them down to lay them down. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's definitely worth listening to. And I cannot give so, it justice so talking about it. But That guy's story is the final one of the, you know, the whole book just comprised of like 15 to 35 minute stories and the first person account from those people. And he finishes it. And you can tell they saved him for last because his is. His is super good. So you got to go through the whole book to get to him, but it is really, really good. What's the book called? And is it on Audible? Yeah, it's probably on Audible, but I quit paying for that subscription. So I I just downloaded it on Apple um, iBooks or whatever that's called. But Uh it's uh, Campfire Stories, Meat Eaters Campfire Stories. Sure, if you you search any amalgamation or whatever that word is, combination of that, you'll see it. But uh, there's some pretty cool fishing stories in there, quite a few hunting stories, a lot of bear stories, just makes you want to go hang out outside in bear country after you hear a bunch of those stories, just like how warm and fuzzy Yogi and all of his friends are, they hardly ever do anything mean to you. But that also makes me realize how soft I am. I hear these people talk about all the things they do and I feel like I'm just out in the wild after I, you know, get some Gatorade at Circle K and go to Saguaro, so I need to up my game up. Yeah, you need to get up in the superstitions, do some backpacking like Rob does, man. <laughs> you can, Those mountains Nick, will make you a hardened man. <laughs> Nick, you would have a story if you talked about your driving your truck into the area where you're hunting. That's that, very that, similar. <laughs> nothing could have gone wrong on that. <laughs> have you heard that one, Josh? I know he got like Dude. basically like 
I don't want to say lost, but like he took no. a crazy route, right? Well, like, it's took, just the a one crazy route out of there. Yeah. The one and only time Nick ever went hunting and probably was the last because of it. He, uh, <laughs> we were driving in this road and we're camping in an area where I could get my camper. Um, and then we were driving in, in the ATV and the, the Polaris Ranger. And it was a rough road, dude, like nasty. And Nick's like, man, I want to hunt in the morning, but I got to get out of here. And we weren't, we weren't coming out until, you know, that night. And he's like, I think I can get my truck in there. It's a four wheel drive, <laughs> dude. Like he was behind us. We were in the Ranger and there's this big box canyon. It's just nasty, big old, <laughs> ro- like, like driving up riprap, like just round <laughs> river rocks. Right. And we get through it pretty quick in the Ranger and we're up on the top just listening to him it's dark out you can see his headlights like moving and you hear just the, oh his truck aged years in moments so had you was, ever driven your truck like off-road like that before nick oh i spent my the beginning of my driving career in western wyoming man like the only okay. activity we had to do was get stuck in the mud and consume you know narcotics and alcoholic beverages so i've driven through some pretty gnarly stuff okay but rob's trip was uh was a pretty good test and i don't know i had like the forest service standard issue um regular cab long bed f250 yeah, you did. so dude i looked like a game warden it was so sweet it was like the bare bones cheap package with like the black plastic front end i always joked about getting some like magnetic decal decals made of like almost the game and fish logo just to scare <laughs> people with it you, I mean, it's a felony, but it'd be you funny. definitely, you definitely appeared as if you didn't care about the truck driving on that road. It was <laughs> like a game warden that doesn't have to maintain his own vehicle, right? Here's a little nugget I'll share with you and everyone else. If you're ever in trouble in a vehicle, the gas pedal will get you out of it. Just keep hitting the gas. That's the one that gets you through all the scary stuff, whether it's rip wrap going up a box canyon or a speeding ticket, just use the right pedal. Isn't that the truth, though, when it comes to getting stuck, even on boats, <laughs> oh, yeah. man? I mean, that's the uh, – when you get scared and let off is when – is that's game when you over. die. Yeah. yeah, that's when you sink. Yep. Oh, I, I had a, a, a Jeep Cherokee, the, the little boxy ones, when I was growing up in Pinedale. And that poor thing, I had that off the ground. There were moguls out in, like, the prairie that I would take them at, like, 35 or 40 and get airborne. But the best was one time I buried it right up to the rocker panels, and it had 33. So it was not, like, a super capable trail rig, but it was not a slouch either. I put that thing right up to the the rocker panels in mud. It took us, like, four hours to get it out with a one-ton truck, and my dad was impressed. And then I smoked the transmission in that like a month later. So I have broken and destroyed and abused lots of things. And that truck took it though, man. It was like five hours of relentless pounding. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a V10. That's what it was. All that power. I remember that. That was the truck that you had when I met you and you had it for a while. It was a good truck for you. It was. Next guy, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to get off on on that. No, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I guess I had... Maybe it was a different story or had remembered it differently. So that's cool, man. Uh, and yeah, well, any, you, you had to come back out the way you came in. So what a. Actually, what we deal. sent him out a different road. Which was, uh, which was longer, but slightly better. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's but cool. anyways, on Meat Eaters, check it out. I think probably my favorite story is the one that Rob's talking about with the game warden. That one is gnarly. 
the one before that is really good too. It's a father and a son bird hunting and they have a firearm accident and like, dude, it brought me to tears listening to the father and son tell that story. Like it's, it's poignant. And it's funny too. Cause then like some of the stories you can tell the folks telling the story just kind of suck at storytelling. So even though their story is pretty badass, you're just like, it like ends and you're like, Oh, okay. Like, all right. That was, that was the end of that. But there's a little, there's a chick too, who's a contractor for, a private company who helps out with like conservation issues. And she has a crazy story about uh, backpacking by herself and falling off a cliff. And like, dude, you would never think that this chick survives and she does. So dude, I'll tell you what, this podcast is going to have some, we, we got Jacob Wheeler coming up, but this is where everyone's going to stop listening. Cause everyone's going straight to that book. Yeah, yeah, we I need should, right. as long as you get stop credit for the download, you guys can't stop right now. But yeah. <laughs> uh, just come back next week, please. It's good though. Yeah. Listen to us and then listen to that. Yeah, yeah. Finish the episode before you, you think go we're to sponsored that. by Meat Eater, huh? We're yeah, just no begging kidding. for some publicity from him. That's all. They, yeah, they need some help, anyways. Give them some downloads. <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, they'll thank us. So what's up with you, Josh? Uh, not a whole, not a whole lot here, man. I spent, uh, I've been spending some time. I talked about last week, just kind of getting ready. I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Champlain. So we're, we're recording a little bit early, uh, spent some time this morning taking, I refuse. So my boat's back there. I talked about that. My truck and boat are already up in New York and I refuse to check a bag when I fly. Like I just won't do it. I can't, I'm not willing to take the risk of, of the airlines losing a bag which i'm sure as bad as the airlines are with everything else right now they're probably losing extra bags right now uh <laughs> and i just hate waiting on it you know after a long day of travel so uh with that being said i take a lot of tackle with me at times back and forth you know i'll, I'll i try to pack the, the truck and boat beforehand but sometimes i'll order stuff or just remember oh yeah i need to bring these i need to bring those and uh, the treble hooks are very hit or miss when it comes to TSA. Like you'll get through TSA five out of uh, six times with treble hooks. But the sixth time, if they don't let you through with your baits, you're screwed. So I pretty much every time I travel with anything with treble hooks or just hooks in general, I take the hooks off and uh, take just the bait and then I'll put hooks on fresh hooks <laughs> when I get to where I'm going. So I've been taking hooks off crankbaits and jerk baits and um, just getting, getting some tackle ready to lug it around through a couple different airports over the next couple of days. Oh, uh, well, you're probably pretty quick with the split ring pliers at this point. Yeah. No pliers yeah, needed, right? Well, use pliers? I, I do use pliers still. Yeah. Some okay. guys are so good. They can do that with a fingernail so quick, but I still use pliers. I'm still a, a soft city boy. Um, according <laughs> you know, to some man, you don't use your teeth yet. That's <laughs> yeah. what the rational redneck does. Have you guys ever uh, flown with tackle? I, I'm trying to remember. I've I've checked it. I've never on a carry on. I never have really. Yeah. One time, right one on. time I took a bus through customs with a bunch of tackle. Huh, yeah, you imagine did. that. <laughs> they loved it too. It was cool. Mm. Makes TSA look soft. It, you never know what they're going to look at. You know, even fishing lines, sometimes I get worried on fishing line. You know, you can strangle some fishing line, right? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I mean, but where is the end, right? You can do that with shoelaces yeah. too, and they let yeah. shoelaces through. So, I don't uh, know. Uh, yeah, a lot of times I'll just bring, like, reels and, like, the rods. I was talking about rods earlier, and uh, 
with you guys before we started recording and it's tough because it's really you know i got rod sometimes i'll have a rod show up at the house that i want to bring back and i'll usually end up not doing it because it's just such a hassle to get a rod ship back east um yeah but i'm just getting ready for that derby man uh, i put a lot of work in before the cutoff before it went off limits i was out there idling around graphing a bunch of stuff out deep so i'm I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, we've got two more regular season tournaments and then depending on how those go, maybe some more cups. So it, it could be either a relatively slow fall or a really busy fall. I've already, I made one cup and uh, there's two more up for grab. So it, it and the U S open. So it's going to be three at, at a minimum and um, six at a maximum as far as the amount of tournaments uh, I'll have this fall. Nice. Let's go ahead, Rob. Let's talk about Champlain a little bit as much as you can, at least. Um, I know you probably don't know exactly what you're going to do, but, um, you know, with the, the large mouth and the small mouth, what, I mean, how do you, what's your plan is, it, are you going to focus just on the small mouth or are you going to fish for large mouth? It's, it's a good question, man. And, and, and to set the lake up, I mean, it's a huge lake. It's a hundred miles long and it's it, in places, I don't know, probably 10 miles wide maybe maybe six miles wide it's it's a big lake huge uh it's got some deep water a lot of deep water a lot of rock a lot of deep grass lines that's where a lot of the smallmouth live i mean and it's got great numbers of smallmouth it's also got really good numbers of largemouth so you could do either one and probably do well um it's one of those scenarios that if 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 to me, if there's not one thing that's glaringly standing out that's going to be better than others, I think fishing your strength makes the most sense. So for me, I'm going to target smallmouth probably 90% of the time. I'm not going to completely ignore largemouth because uh, there is a chance the lake is famous for the milfoil flipping bite once you get into midsummer. And if you can find some good green milfoil, which is a type of grass, um, get in the right spot. You can flip 50 plus fish a day. And, and sometimes they're smallmouth, which is crazy. We talk about it. Uh, we've talked about it before, like how, how rare it is to flip smallmouth, but there are so many smallmouth in here. And if you can find some milfoil that's growing with some rock around it, or just in the right area, you might flip smallmouth. And in major league fishing, there's no faster way to catch them than flipping, you know, it, if you're out drop shotting in 25 feet and you hook a four pounder, that's awesome. But that's a long process, right? Getting the bite, getting that fish in the boat, landing them, getting set back up and doing it again. And I know that there's potential to have a really good tournament doing that, definitely making a cut doing that. But uh, the dude that's there on the last day that gets on a milfoil bite like that is going to win. So um, can't ignore it. Go ahead. Yeah. Um... I guess I kind of forgot about the fact that you're, you guys are every fish. I, I should obviously know that, but um, on a five fish deal, I mean, the difference between 50th and first can be a half a pound or three quarters of a pound. I'm really curious to see how that plays in a, you know, MLF format. So yeah, numbers are, yeah. numbers are going to be very, very key. So. Yeah. I mean, you're right. So this lake has so many three pound fish in it but there's a massive difference between catching a three and a three and three quarter pounder. It's, I mean, it's hard to catch a four pounder out there, but it's easy to catch a three pounder. So get in those bites in a five fish tournament that are a hair closer to four pounds are mean everything. Right. And in our deal, man, 
I mean, you still need the quality bites. You still need the three and four pounders, but um, it's not going to be the, the difference between a three and a three and a half isn't going to matter that much. Just you just have to be getting bit. So have you fished? Have you fished there before, Josh, in a tournament? One time, dude. And out of all the northern lakes, it was the toughest event that I've ever had. And um, and that was kind of the thing for me. Like I I uh, didn't have much. I didn't have any experience there when that tournament started. And um, I just kind of got caught up in catching three pounders. And um, I didn't move around enough to get into those three and a half. So I ended up doing exactly like what you said. I had three pound average and I finished the tournament like 80th out of a hundred dudes. So, um, but in this case, you're just, like I said, you're just going to need to be on them. You're just going to be, have to be on them and absolutely whacking them. So yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I, I probably will fish deep a lot um, for the smallmouth, but it, and it's such a big lake, you can't get spread out, right? Especially during the tournament day. You can't, if it blows, it lake gets so rough. If it blows, 15 if it blows 10 miles an hour you're gonna have three plus foot waves and, and you know you can't move 10 miles away here eight miles here 10 miles there like dude you're just every 10 mile run that you're doing you're eating up 25 30 minutes of time uh, and you just can't do that so what i'm gonna my my hope is to find some small mouth areas and possibly a large mouth area or two in the same vicinity. You know, like it's my practice starts with an open mind, but as soon as you start finding a couple good areas, you your area that you will look it, uh, shrinks dramatically because like you've got you've got roots that you just planted here. So now I need to plant some more roots close to these roots that I originally planted. And that's how mm -hmm. practice hopefully will go. And then by the time practice is over, hopefully you've got a handful of really good options within a, a short distance in case it is windy. Mm. Yeah. So, so this is the, what, second to last points event. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So it's the uh, so you, sixth tournament. So, you, okay. Um, and then the next one's St. Clair, which is yep. 100, 100% small mouth. Um, yep. But what's weird is both of these events are, I mean, you're, you've absolutely slammed smallmouth in the North, but these two events are completely, I shouldn't say completely, but they're quite a bit different than what some of the stuff you've done well on up there. Um, they are, Saint, I mean, talk about St. Clair a little bit. I mean, that dude, I fished St. Clair and I, the, the first time I was there, it blew my mind. We were a mile off the shore and we're in five foot of water. It's just a big bowl. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a flat, featureless lake. So mm -hmm. it's St. Clair is between Lake Erie and Lake Huron. There's two rivers, you know, between the lakes. But they, it's like, a, it's interesting because it's flat as a pancake, completely full of giant smallmouth, and the water is it got this really weird color to it. Like Erie is clear. We had a derby at Erie last year. We launched in Sandusky. We talked about it. I had a good event. Um, but we were fishing a hundred miles from where we're launching this week. Um, and then St. Clair's got this crazy tealish aqua color. And then Huron on the other side of the river is crystal clear. So St. Clair's kind of its own animal. And I've always been a check getter at St. Clair. It just, I haven't had any of those like top five finishes um, where I had a chance to win. And it does. I mean, it's not like you can set up and drop shot specific structure. You'll catch them on a drop shot out there, but you're, you're fishing an area that is uh, relatively featureless. It 
and it's the size of several football fields and you're just fishing around, fishing around, using your live scope, looking for fish. Um, the fish relate to like grass clumps and sand spots and stuff like that. Like you might have, um, if you can picture a flat bottom of a lake, you'll have like a mile of grass that's like grows like a foot or two off the bottom steadily. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have one area the size of five football fields where that grass is a little patchier and there's a few sand spots in between those grass and there will be hundreds of fish packed into that one spot because it's an irregularity and there's probably some bait around it. And then again, the grass starts again where it's consistent and then you kind of get out of the fish. So to find that is, is that, challenging. Man. Yeah. I mean, do you find it by, I would think you would find it by getting the bites, right? Versus, exactly. You have to fish. Like you yeah. can't graft that. Um, yeah. You can, you can, but dude, you're, you're really better off just fishing. You know, if it's a windy you day, you let the wind blow you and you just literally pick up a crankbait or a swim bait or something like that and just start fishing and you get a bite, yeah. you mark a waypoint. And, and then you might recognize what you're on and be able to expand in that little exactly. area. Right. I remember one time we were there and uh, super windy, all the practice. It was a miserable practice. I mean, we fished in four footers for three straight days and all you could do was drift. Uh, all <laughs> I did was drift with the power paddles and um, had some areas that I had found some fish and like the tournament starts and it's flat pancake calm. And it was like, Oh my God. Like, that's why they're here, right? You could see everything clearly, but in practice, all you had was like your dots of where you caught fish <laughs> because it was way too rough to even recognize what the hell was down there, what you were fishing. So though, technically speaking, you would be able to see like on the 2D sonar when you're idling over a spot like that, the, the line of grass on the graph would just be shorter or taller. Yeah, like you'll see it on your on your on your on your 2D, on your side scan, on your side view. Like you would see um you would see that, but, um, by the, you know, you, you gotta, it's just more efficient to right. fish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's more efficient to fish out there. You can fish at the same speed you're idling. Basically, you know, you crank uh -huh. your trolling motor up to 75 and you're just flying and until just you get a bite. It. Yeah. And then you get a bite and you start doing circles around that area. We talked about it before you do that. You do the first circle, then if you get another bite, you do a wider circle. If you get a couple more bites, you do a wider one until you stop getting bites and uh -huh. uh, you mark a waypoint everywhere you've had a bite and you kind of draw in pretty good playing field of, of, of where those fish are at. Yeah. So, um, and it's funny, man, they'll just stay in the same spot until sometimes the wind will blow. It'll blow really hard a couple of days out of a certain direction. It'll vanish and you've got to find this next area <laughs> that they stopped at, which it could be featureless again. So like, Dude, if the wind was blowing out of the south, you need to start fishing and you show up to the and your fish are gone. You need to start going north. Where mm. and fine, okay, I'm just gonna start fishing a straight line north until I start getting bit and reconnect with these stupid fish again. Yeah. And uh <laughs> and sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It's it's quite challenging. What are your what are your boundaries at St. Clair? I know we keep talking about that. That's the last tournament, but um can you fish up at, obviously you can't fish in Canada yet. Can you? Yeah, it's still a Canada border still closed. So that's kind of yeah. a bummer because I've always fished in Canada on the lake itself. So I don't know, man, we'll see if that opens back up. But, um, I think we're pretty, I mean, I think our boundaries are pretty wide open. Like if a guy wanted to run into Lake Erie, they could. Um, and I've got some stuff on, on that side of Lake Erie where I know I could go catch some fish. So if I struggle on St. Clair, 
the thing about the fish on Erie is they're, they live on rocks. So they're not, I mean, dude, if a spot is good one year, there's really mm. good chance it's going to be good the next year. Right. Where St. Clair, it's, it's so grass and bait oriented that the grass is going to grow differently. The bait fish are going to be a different spot. Like they could be, dude, you <laughs> might catch them one year on a spot and fish it for another 30 years and never catch them there again. Um, so Erie is kind of a backup plan. I could run out to Erie if I struggle on St. Clair and uh, hopefully be able to catch some fish out there. Yeah, that's, that's an exciting cool. tournament. That's craziness, man. Yeah, and guys are going to absolutely crush them. So, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. It's a super dynamic tournament, and it's going to be really a lot about uh, – those types of tournaments, man, it's just all about where you fish. It, when it comes down to getting the bites and catching the fish, it's pretty easy. But the whole thing is just finding that gold mine. So um, uh -huh. that's the – and Champlain's similar, dude. Like a lot of the smallmouth tournaments are. You just got to – you've got – that gold mine is out there. And that that's what's exciting about it is like when you're fishing and looking um, – if you're just getting a bite here and there, you got to keep moving because that gold mine exists and you might, it might just be right around the corner. Um, yeah. And that's, and you could have a memorable day of fishing, whether you're in a tournament or just fun fishing a day that you'll remember for your whole life, for sure. But I'm right now I'm, I'm in 27th in points. So the top 40 make red crest. And that's the goal is to, to obviously make red crest. I need to set my sights higher and, and, and hopefully continue to move up. But um, after the slow start to the year, we talked about, you know, the last three events have been a lot better and um, we just need to keep, keep in that direction. If I could have one really good tournament in, out of the next two, I for sure would make Red Crest, but I'm hoping to make two good events and not, not have to have it, you know, come down to the wire. Yeah. If you make both cuts, you're good, right? Yep. For sure. If I can okay. get a top 20, I probably, in one of them, I should be good. So if I could okay. do that at Champlain, it would take a ton of pressure off at yeah. st Clair, yeah but we'll see it's so easy it's so easy to to not have a good tournament um, well these these smallmouth lakes can go both directions man you can flat out crush them and still be just that i mean be 50th In or the 70th yeah. you know yeah sure it's like it's uh it's yeah you look at st lawrence dude i mean guys were catching 50 pounds a day and absolutely getting killed <laughs> yeah yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting. But well, do you think we'll the forward-facing sonar is going to play in both of these big time? I big would think time. it would. Yeah, yeah, big time, man. I mean, it's uh, I, we've had it the last few years up there, but this is like, if there's a time to have it, it's now. I'll be live scoping a a ton, a ton. Yeah. No matter no matter where you're at, even even flipping that milfoil, man. It, believe it or not, it can it can really help you see what that grass looks like underwater. But when you get out deep on those smallmouth, it's you're you're sight fishing half the time. How does that grass show up on live scope? Is it just like brighter where it's denser and then less? Is that kind of how you would use that? For sure. And, and a lot of times you use it to see how like um, how it's standing up. Like if it's laying over oh. a lot of times, if it's laying over, it's, it doesn't, it, dead it's not yucky. good. But if it's really good green grass, it's going to be very pointy and, and look fresh. You, and you're right. It's going to be denser. It's denser, it's brighter. Um, uh-huh. So a lot of times, yeah, fishing those grass lines, it's 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 as as important as seeing the fish is is seeing that good grass. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you like to use the little goldfish icon when you're forward facing sonar, where it like bloops and then it says like the size of the little goldfish icon? That was always a big part of my uh, you know graphing days. 
I think Josh just turned the microphone off, Rob. I see him turning it off. He's done. He doesn't want to talk to me. Not when you bring stuff up like that. He's over it. (laughs) Little fishy icons and and beeps. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. I thought that was like the key to dialing it in. It is, for sure. I, hey, I, I didn't hear anything you just said because my mic just completely lost its mind. But I think you're lucky, Josh. The, you're completely lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, got got pretty technical there for the last 25 minutes. So I figured I, we needed to come up for air for people like me. Sorry. So, hey, uh, and we're going to swing it over to Wheeler. We ended up going longer than we – once we start BSing, man, it's hard for us to stop. But, dude, you got to bring up that article that you found real quick, Nick, before we uh, bring uh, send it over to Jacob. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess all I'm talking about today is the doom and gloom and risks of being a true outdoorsman. But over on Wired to Fish, there's a pretty intense story just posted a couple of days ago about someone who uh, was walleye fishing in Minnesota and took, is this, I, I'm not super familiar with the tackle they use, but it looks like it's a, is that a bottom bouncer. The wire has the weight for him. Apparently they uh, hooked up on a pretty good sized Northern and uh, while he was boat side with it, uh, somehow, somehow it came loose and he took it right in the old ticker and uh, got pretty intense. And, uh, you know, spoiler, he survives, thank God. But uh, it's pretty tense. Apparently he was in pretty rough shape. And so who did it say ended up having to drive the boat back to the uh, dock because he was in so much? It looks like uh, um, going back through here, it was his his wife, I believe, is the first time she'd driven the boat and uh, was able to get him back to the dock and everything was fine. But the the bold print is the bottom bouncer had penetrated his heart. Could you That's imagine crazy. that? No. Uh-oh. I, I mean, know, Josh, he, you he, already he, love pike fishing and all the times that you get to catch pike on your tournaments, you rejoice. But I bet you would extra love them if that happened. Yeah, of course it was a pike. A bass would never do that to someone. It'd be a pike or a drum. Yep. Yeah. Which you're going to catch plenty of when you go to... Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, for sure. They're a straight nuisance up there for bass fishermen, but damn dude. Yeah. You don't expect you, you, you know, you hear about someone getting hooked, hooked in the, in the face with a hook or something like that. And that's horrible, but you expect it. But for a bottom bouncer to go into your heart, that's straight uh, wire, wire to the heart, huh? And how much much tension that must have to, to penetrate that clothing, everything that, that was probably an event for those folks on the boat that, uh, was obviously life-changing but just like really troubling (laughs) yeah did he have to go did he have to have surgery to what was the deal when he actually got to the hospital do you know well let's see so it's yeah oh yeah in the operating room they opened his sternum the the surgeon found a pericardium which we all know what that is i have no idea what that is but it was so full of blood that it was now preventing the heart from beating so that must be a pocket yeah and then uh you know it caused blood pressure fluctuation that life support to bypass his heart and lungs so it was real serious before everything cooled off no kidding thank god for emergency room surgeons and doctors man they're the they're who we count on when it gets weird seriously dude yeah thank god we live in this modern day dude and thank God that dude wasn't, you know, somewhere fishing in Saskatchewan or something like that yeah. for, yeah. you know, where, uh, you gotta, you gotta get airlifted out of there. It would have been, wouldn't have made a toast, it. man. You talk about weird freak stuff like that, that happens. And, you know, this is not interesting at all, but I was out walking, trying to beg my infant to take a nap the other day. And we have all these huge Palo Verdes in our neighborhood. 
and they have not they have not fared well this summer with all the wind we've lost like more than half of them or at least like most of the branches on half of them so i'm out walking around and i'm going down the sidewalk and it's not windy it's 1 p.m it's hot and sweaty and just miserable outside i walk down one sidewalk and then i walk back up it well in the time that i walked past it the first time nothing i came back five minutes later and there's a massive tree branch probably 18 inches in diameter that let go and just went down on the sidewalk just kadoosh i didn't hear it or see it but i was within five minutes of finding out what lies beyond the great beyond because it uh, could have been hey, that so it is funny how those things work nick how old is your youngest uh he just turned two. Oh, my okay, oldest so is eight my oldest is eight your youngest okay yep he's two Okay, so my mom was listening to the podcast and she told me to tell Nick that two-year-olds aren't infants anymore. They're toddlers. Oof, she wants to come babysit. I'll fly her out. <laughs> no, she's local, right? Yeah, that's yes. right. Isn't that local? funny though? Who knows what he she's is? She's probably going to be mad at me for saying I called her out on it. but Oh, no, we're calling Nick out. That's that's that's. I great. know, but like, right. I should have just said someone said, not my mom. <laughs> well, <laughs> we only have three listeners. and Well, my, my mom and my dad and your parents. and yeah, Well, my I mean, mom's yeah. gone, so I only have one listener that I'm contributing to my dad. So yeah, that's our three it. listeners. There we go. <laughs> that's, All right. Bring that out is the crazy. It, that is, yeah, we'll bring it to Wheeler. And uh, hey, last thing on that, too, it's... Uh, Dude, uh, that's just those crazy freak accidents or, or why it's so dangerous to fish alone. And we all fish alone yeah. sometimes, yeah. but fishing oh, with yeah. a buddy sometimes can be a, can be a huge deal for, for those things. But yeah, let's bring it uh, to Jacob Wheeler. He's Everyone knows Jacob Wheeler. He's an unbelievable fisherman. He's without question the best tournament fisherman on the planet right now. I think, I mean, I think like, all you need to do is call him Ricky Bobby, right? He just wakes up in the morning and pisses excellence. That's I think just, you should tell like, him that. That's enough. I'm, oh, I'm planning on it. Don't worry. There's a good, good. I was just, it's, it's crazy. Like over the years, there's been like, is it this guy or this guy? But right now he's just, he's the guy he's, uh, he's so, so dominant. And um, I'm excited to talk to him about this. I fish against him all the time and uh, never really get to ask him a lot of these questions. So uh, looking forward to this. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, we talked about him uh, just a minute ago, and we're glad to have him on the podcast finally. Um, the Honestly, the best, the number one fisherman in the world, according to Bass Fan and pretty much any, any, any bass fisherman, Jacob Wheeler. What's up, dude? Man, not a whole lot, brother, man. Just uh... – you know, enjoying a little bit of time off and getting ready, you know, for the, the rest of the season. We have some, some cool events for us, some small rockets for you. And, uh, man, just wrapping up iCast and all the good stuff, man. It's uh, it's always it's always this time of year. Fishing gets a little bit tough in the south, but we get a chance to go I hear that. So, yeah, we're – our summer schedule is like, uh, honestly, a, a fisherman's bucket list schedule. We're pretty lucky. We just finished St. Lawrence, which you won. Congrats, by the way. I don't even say congrats because you always <laughs> win, dude. But big congrats. Uh, did people stop saying congrats? No, man. It never, no. it never gets old. You know how it is. There's times that uh, things go really well. You know, you're, you know, you just got to keep going. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> win is a win every time, and it's not easy, as you know, to get to, to get a win. So, um, it's just been fortunate that, that a couple of them happened happened this year. Well, that's cool. I'm sure it doesn't get old, dude. And, and you just keep 
putting the work in. Um, that's for sure. Now, so you, you, now you live, uh, down in Chickamauga. Is it pretty tough out there right now? Yeah, they actually have a high school tournament out there. It's actually a three fish tournament because it's pretty hot right now, you know, and, 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 and fish care and stuff. So it's actually taking 15 pounds, uh, for three weights weren't, weren't that bad. Really. I know I was, they were pretty decent. Um, but it just gets tough this time of year. July, August, and really September really starts to, you know, it becomes a lot tougher. The fish are starting to push shallow. Uh, a lot of the fish that were out there offshore, the, the, they start pushing up on top of the flats and the grass areas. And I think there's just sometimes there's just fish that we don't ever even really target until that are, are always say shallow, but are not really even a player until now, you know, and, and that sort of uh, those, those fish start to play a little bit more, but, I mean, it's just that, that transition. I think it just starts down south a little bit quicker than sometimes people think. You hear the summer to fall transition bite, and I think it happens really more so in late July than, than you know, really starts to happen then. Huh. Hmm. That's interesting. We never really talk about that, dude. And uh, I know, dude, the fall is just tough in the south. It's <laughs> Where we live out west, the fall is actually a really good season, but – you, you probably really? fish a lot through the fall or do you just go to hunting? No, I don't really around the house here. I do not fish a ton. Like I, and, and when I do, I try to get away. Like, so I have a little jet boat that I'll run up the rivers, mess around and, and go chase smallmouth or spots or, you know, a little large mouth. And if I catch, you know, five pound and a halfers in a day, I'm happy. Like it's just, something fun you know to me just to do something to get away and, and, but it's a it's typically a, a pretty pretty big grind on the lakes i'm not saying you can't catch them you know typically there is some schooling action and, and stuff like that but typically you know in the fall has always been the toughest in the south it really has been you go north fishing is always great really or, or i guess out west it's interesting to hear the fall bites pretty good out that way um it starts to get good again in in november um and you can have a, a decent frog bite um, on some of these lakes like Gunnersville and, and Chickamauga, but it, the pressure can, can definitely hurt that as well. Those fish start to get pretty accustomed to seeing frogs going over their head and they stop biting them pretty quick. I bet. It, it just doesn't sound like super inviting. And any time I've gone back there, it's pretty much like uh, from like Texas on east, it's like, uh, October is a brutal month, man. And, and it's a month we look forward to out here, but, uh, what else do you do? What's, like, like we just had the month off. Um, you're super busy with, with sponsor stuff and stuff like that. But, uh, what else, what other kind of stuff are you into, man? Are you a sports guy? Yeah, I mean, obviously I just, just watching, um, I haven't really had a chance to get, to get to watch closely on the Olympic side. I obviously, I love, I really enjoy the basketball. So watch the, on basketball, watch the finals and seeing the Bucks and and the Suns go at it. That was awesome to see. Um, you know, that was a great series. But you know, I'm a Clippers fan. I have a friend of mine that, that plays for them, and and so I just, you know, I I'm always when I can, I'm looking forward to college sports as well. You know, college football. I mean, there's nothing better in my opinion. It's so awesome to. It'll be awesome to see that, but really, right now, it's you know I haven't really had a chance to to watch the Olympic side of it, and and um, you know baseball and fall swing. I obviously try to keep up, but in the middle of the season, when 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 things are when you're you know running around, it's sometimes it's hard to to uh, follow everything. But then you know typically the fall, you know 
when we have a little bit of time off to be able to get back into college sports, college football, a little bit of NFL. Um, I was always look forward to that. Jacob, yeah. did you uh, play sports as when you were a kid or through high school or? Man, I was so bad. I'll tell you the story. I was so bad. Um, in second grade, I played basketball and I was so bad. Our team made the championship game. And like it was in like a rec league or something like that, was small like deal or whatever. And my coach wanted me to fake hurt because there was a rule that I had to pull. <laughs> 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 or something weird like that. So I like fake uh, like a fall or something. Nice. <laughs> That's terrible. So I, I played. I, I'm not. I'm a competitor. I love to play now, you know. But I I was never any. That's funny. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. So, hey, yeah, and now you're boys with Paul George, man, uh, from the Clippers, right? That's who you're talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. How did you hook yeah. up with him? And, like, he's he's a huge bass fisherman, isn't he? Yeah, you know, I uh, – so he uh, he started uh, – he, he flew – actually, so he got drafted um, to Indianapolis into the Pacers. And so um, – in the middle of all that, like, I, it was sort of a crazy story. I was out on the lake, um, on a lake called Guy's Reservoir in Indianapolis with a, with a good friend of mine, and um, this guy's on the dock. And I'm like, what's, you know, and he's fishing with a big, like, ocean heck? And a buddy of mine's like, hey, man, hey, man, like, are you, are you George Hill's dad? Because he looked a lot like George Hill. And he goes, actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Paul George's dad. I said, really? And so we started talking. We were catching crappie. We had a big we had a uh, big libel full of crappie. And so Buddy was like, yeah, man, we'll go out there. We'll take him fishing sometimes. So he gave me, he gave me his card. I gave him my number. And I was like, oh, whatever, cool. That's, that's, that's awesome. You know, I was like 20, I want to say like 23. And I'm like, whatever, you know, it's cool. But like that night, like during the middle of the playoffs, like that night I get a call and I'm like, what the heck? And I pick it up, and it's Paul. He's like, hey, man, where can we go fishing? And I'm like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, man, we'll go fishing sometimes. So, like, we just, like, went fishing on a day off in between a playoff game. And oh. became really good friends. And, like, um, you know, I've always, you know, always keep up with him. It's a little bit harder to keep up with everything that's been going on. But we always try, try to keep tabs on him, check in and talk. And we always chat. But, uh yeah, I was sort of like the start of it all, and she would go, we'd go ball and restaurants, you know, and have a good time. So it was sort of uh, got him into tournament fishing, one tournament together, um, and uh, actually won the tournament. So it's Tuesday nighter. So. Shocker! That's cool. <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty good. Like, dude, I but it was sort of funny because I started really thinking because it was sort of funny, like. I, I, I told him, I'm like, listen, dude, like, what would you tell me if I if we were playing, like, or if I was playing on your team in a, in a two-on-two basketball game? I said, hey, what would you say? And he said, I'll tell you, give me a ball. I said, that's what I'm telling you right now. I said, I got this. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, I'll play you right? I'm like, don't you worry about this. I got it. That's awesome. And so <clears throat> I catch, like, three of them, like, three, three and a half pounds real quick. And I give him this, like, I give him, like, a Nico rig. He fires out there. He keeps casting. He loses, like, this. Like, I'm fishing for this one on the bed. And he loses, like, a three-pound pounder. And he's like, oh, dang. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm sorry, Paul. Like, it's all good. He throws back over. I guess there's a female over there. Catches a five and a half. Woo! 
And I'm like, nah. So later that night, we're going down the deal. I'm like, don't like, it's like later that night, we already had to get back. I go down to this bank, and I'm like chucking a buzz bait, and he fires the thing, and the wacky worm underneath the boat dock. Like a perfect cast and locks up with another four pounder. He gets the two biggest fish of the day. I was like, whoa, we had like 20 pounds that night. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, there's no way. He looks at me, just smile. I'm like, you suck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he had to have been stoked. It was pretty funny. Oh, absolutely. We had a good time. That's pretty cool, man. It's funny how fishing sets like a universal language, man. You can make so many different friends uh, through fishing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think everybody just enjoys getting out there, and, and, and when you have that passion, you start that, you know, at a young age, man, it's just something that, you know, whether you're just starting or you're, you start when you're pretty young, I mean, it's, it definitely is. It's, it's, uh, it's cool to see the, 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 the friends you can make through, uh, through the sport. For sure. Hey, so uh, one thing that uh, I've been wanting to ask you, dude, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the listeners – see the results in the tournaments and they just see, you know, the, the good finish after good finish. And uh, I think everyone knows how hard of a worker you are, but, um, mm-hmm. dude, it still, it still blows my mind. Sometimes when I, when I hear about some of the things you do, like we were over at, uh, St. Lawrence last month and St. Lawrence is like what, two hours from Champlain. Mm-hmm. I get over yep, to Champlain to start pre-practicing after the tournament and heard that during one of the off days, you had gone to scout Champlain, dude. And that just like in the middle of a tournament that you're leading and, and, and trying to, trying to, uh, you know, do the best you can at this event, be focused at this event. You're able to like think ahead to the next month ahead and Hey, I got an extra day. I'm going to go over and do this. Uh, is that something you've always done, dude? Have you always just been like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Have you always been looking ahead like that? And just, is, is that how you get that extra step on everybody? You know, I think there's a little bit of it, you know, definitely, you know, working hard is, is something and having a strong work ethic is, is something that um, is, is, has been a huge deal in my career. I mean, I think that that, that deal, and you know, as well, I see you out there at, at Harris Shane, you know, going over to that on, on Champlain looking around, like you have to put the work in. I think a lot of people see the results. You, you know, and like you were alluding to this is like, you see a lot of the results of having solid finishes, but people don't realize the strategy behind it necessarily the time that a lot of times we put into it. Um, and the prep that goes into everything from tackle prep to time on Google earth to research to actually pre-practice time and then ultimately practice and putting it, into a tournament plan and then uh, then ultimately looking at weather and adjusting and being able to say you know scrap all that that i all all that work and hard work that i i I thought was going to work did not and restart and go from scratch that is really what a tournament bass fisherman is like we have to do that and make adjustments so quickly and and sometimes you're going to make the great one sometimes you're not but it, it can it can be good and can be bad, and I, I've seen that several times throughout my career. Is pre practice can be good, but it also can lock you into a, a mindset of how an event should be a month out, and that's not always the best thing to do, it, it, you know, as well. So definitely hard work and putting your time in and dedicating your time 
to preparing for an event, it's always, it's always been interesting to me because I feel like everybody, and there's so many different great quotes about this, everybody has the will to win, but not everybody has the will to prepare to win. And that is the difference that you see a lot of anglers that are, there's some anglers that are just so naturally talented that it is, that they're just, they catch them no matter what, but they're still preparing in their own way. But then there's, everybody gets out there and they want to win, but did they put the time in? You know, there's a lot to that. I think there's only, there's only a handful of guys that, I see you out there working hard. I see, you know, I see a lot, a lot of the younger guys, but it's also a time in their life as well. I think we had to talk about that. It's like, you look at Kevin, you look at Ski, you look at the guys that have been here for years. They're on their backside of their careers. And I think that it's, it's a different, we're in a different point in life. You know, when we're 45, 50 years old, I think with a family, I think we'll be in a different position like, man, I've done all my work. Like I'm tired to go spend my time with my family and enjoy my time as well. So I think there's a lot of variables that go into it, but definitely hard work is is a huge uh, huge plus, and that that definitely has helped me over the years. Those are awesome points, dude. If there's like a, and I think those intangibles are are so much more important or as important as mechanically being a good fisherman. You know, having confidence in any technique. I mean, that has to be a given, right? Mm -hmm. But like those intangibles are definitely what separates a guy like you or Edwin from even the rest of the field of dudes that are, are, are great fishermen. Um, if you've got like, do you have one thing maybe for like our listeners that um, one tip maybe on preparation or something that they can add to their game uh, right now to instantly make them uh you know, a little bit more efficient or a little more successful. I know it's kind of putting you on the spot, but like, um, no, yeah. One thing I, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I would, I would, you know, push anglers out there, uh, to try and it's, it's such a big deal for, for us is, is trying, you hear about this time on the water thing you, and, and that's a given like time on the water. There's no substitute for time on the water. That is very true. But the thing is, is how do you use your time on that water? Like, if you're a great jig fisherman and you understand everything, the nuances about fetch jigs and football jigs and this and that, you know, going out there and throwing a jig all day might not be that great of value for you. Maybe you need to spend that time if you don't like throwing a drop shot and trying to do something a little bit different. I think the biggest thing that I can challenge other anglers out there is just try to work on techniques they're not good at. Or, and maybe, you know, patterns or techniques or, you know, baits that they don't have a lot of confidence in so that they can really be able to understand those patterns or understand those techniques a little bit better to where when that time comes and they have to use that, they're able to do so. And I think that's the biggest piece of advice that I, it, you know, as, as, as a professional angler, you know, all of us, we tend, you know, we know, we have our confidence techniques and we have our confidence baits and everything else, but about everybody's on the same deal. Like you're breaking catch on, on about anything in the tackle box. It is what it is. And it's, it's a given, like you have to, but I think a lot of times, you know, going a step further and spending that time on the, on the, on those baits that you don't like, or you do, like, if you don't like throwing to Carolina, like figuring out and understanding that and when that's really the deal and when to throw a, a drop shot or when to throw a, a top water if you're not a big top water fan and trying to understand the exact setup and rod and 
line and everything else that you might need to use so that way when, when time comes, you're ready to go. I love it. Go ahead, Rob. Not to change the subject, but I know, Jacob, you like to hunt. Um, have you always liked to hunt, or is this something that some of the guys on the tour have got together to keep you off the water? <laughs> yeah, Andy Morgan, thank you, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I uh, man, I've always, I, I've really, I did not grow up hunting. Um, my dad was not a big hunter, but I spent a little time um, rabbit hunting with uh, a friend of mine, you know, my teenage years. Um, and then actually a, a good friend of mine, Matt Airy, a fellow professional angler, uh, sort of got me into bow hunting. And I just sort of, I really enjoy it. It's a getaway in the fall. It gives me some time to um, put some effort and in, in work towards uh, something different. And it sort of gives me a reset. I think there's something great about getting into a tree stand for me and watching the woods come alive um from dark to that sun coming up there's there's something awesome about that and having a little bit of quiet time um in in the process of it all to me like i enjoy the process of deer hunting so much more than actually the harvest like i i enjoy knowing hey running trail cameras and food plots and all of these things and trying to outsmart this animal in his domain, you know, his, his nose is, is his biggest asset and how to, you know, how to strategically plan to get that animal in front of you. Um, it, it's difficult. Like it's, so I, I typically enjoy that challenge more than anything. Um, and it's definitely something that I don't know if another, another little one on the way, if I'm going to have a lot of time, <laughs> October due date, if I'm going to have a heck of a lot of time to do that this fall, but I'm, I'm sure going to try eventually, you know, a couple of days here and there. No, nah, don't worry, man. Every kid you have, you get more time. That's what I've found. <laughs> it's an inverse ratio. <laughs> Nick's living proof of that. <laughs> That's great. Dude, Congrats Jacob. on the baby, man. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's going right, to be, uh, it'll be fun. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for a travel horror story, man. You got anything that comes to mind about sketchy places you've stayed or t boat trailers spitting tires on the side of a scary interstate? Let's hear some of the nitty gritty of your travels. You got anything? Man, I, I, I just remember, like, and we go in some crazy places. There's a stop at some stuff. And earlier on in my career, like I, I was super, super cheap. Like I didn't have a, you know, as we all sort of, you're trying to make it, you're trying to save money. I was in Richmond, Virginia. And like, it, it was one of those hotels. You just look and you're like, man, I don't, this motel is like, I don't know about this place. It was $38 a night. Oh, <laughs> nice. Continental <laughs> breakfast, <Yeah>. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like, you know, like seven years ago. And the guy was, was texting with me for this tournament, like, this tournament, like, uh, my co or for the tournament. Um, he was just like, like, we got there. He's like, this is where we're staying? I'm like, yeah, we're staying here. And about two days in, I, it was nothing, it was like, there was just, like, it was just a really, it was not good, man. Like, it was just a, not a, a good position to be in. Like, you knew. There was drug deals going on the back corner. There was, oh. there was just like, there was prostitutes. They were like, all right, dude, we got to get back <laughs> out of here. About a day and a half, I'm like, man, I'm, I, there was nothing crazy that went down, but it was a point where 
I knew you was like, oh, we should not be here. Every, yeah. every day the odds keep going up. Exactly. That's That was what it came down to. And, and a buddy of mine, he was from a, a pretty rough area, and he's like, dude, listen, like, and, and sometimes we're I'm like, you don't want to just sleep in here for like six hours and go fishing every day. We're gone all day. It's not a big deal, man. He's like, listen, dude, I'll I'll pay for us the spring to go to a day's in or something. <laughs> just step up a little bit, bro. <laughs> if you man. want to go to like anywhere, I don't care, man. Let's get that guy here. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Let's go. <laughs> nice. So there's the worst stories. No, no, sorry. Go ahead, man. There's horror stories and stuff, but yeah, that that one right there was probably the worst, the worst place I've ever stayed at. And I was sitting there and I was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know about this one." <laughs> so now you travel with uh, uh, Mark Daniels, Connell, and uh, Avina, and uh, you guys. I know you guys get uh, you stay in, in houses or, whenever you can. Who's the uh, who's the cook in the house, man? Or do you have a cook in the house? Man, I'll tell you what, I, I'm not the cook. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and do it. I, I'll cook a burger, a broth, something like that, but I'm not the, the big cook. Obviously, uh, actually, I would say I would say DC thinks he is, but I would say Mark Mark is, is the – Mark and Adrian are probably the better two cooks. Okay. DC, DC likes to throw Dale's, Dale's sauce on, on, on Dale's seasoning on everything. <laughs> is that an Alabama thing? It's a little bit too much. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I'm like, this is, it's all good. Like, we don't need that much. Man, we'll just marinate. We'll just, I'm like, all right, hold up. Hold up. Who's, so, I mean, who's the funniest guy in the house? Like, who just, you just wake up in the morning, which one of those guys makes you laugh? Connell is always on one. He's always twenty four seven. Like I'm sitting here just like pre- prepping. Think I, I'm like non. I'm just like straight and narrow. Like this is my job. I'm here to do this and that. Like Connell was like, man, them waves were so freaking big. I feel like I was out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, dude. I couldn't vote. Like he just goes on and on and on. He just can't. He's so freaking funny, though. He is. He's just so genuine about it. He's. It's just. It's. 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 When you get you get him around here, it's just. It's hilarious. There's never a dull moment. Obviously, you know, every one of them has their moments. But their DC is like, you just never know what's going to come out of his mouth. He's a colorful dude. He's so animated, man. That's why it's so much fun he to is. watch on live because he just is. I mean, dude, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's. He's hilarious. He truly does. He truly does. There's no doubt about that. That's cool. Well, dude, hey, we know it's, uh, you know, you're probably packing. Are you leaving tomorrow to go up north? I'm going to head out. Actually, I have left my boat and stuff up there. Um, so I'm flying out um, actually Monday. So I'm, I got a nice. couple days at the house, and I will – I got to rig some tackle. I haven't touched any of that stuff since St. Lawrence, so I got I to gotta rig some tackle and – I don't know what my – I'm going to make sure my batteries are all good and charged and, and try to prepare to, to get out there for battle. I think we're um, – man, Champlain should be a fun one. It's, it's, it seems like there's a lot of great weight. They had a Toyota Series up there and um, a lot of tournaments up that way. It seems like it does not suck. I did, it does not. That's probably that's probably arguably – I don't know. What are your thoughts, Josh? I mean, that, I feel like that's arguably one of the best tournament batching lakes in the country top three in my opinion 
it, it probably is just because it's, you have so many choices. It's so diverse and it's amazing. Like you watch an event that's held out there and a lot of lakes, like you take a, um, Cayuga Lake, for example, it's a great yep. fishery, but you, you know, you take the top 10 on the last day and you look at where they're all fishing. And, and a lot of times they're clustered up in one area and, and uh, certain parts of the lake fish really good. But Champlain is so cool because the whole lake fish is great guys spread out you have so many choices on what you can do and uh, i'm with you dude I'm, this is only gonna be my second tournament there but um so many people will say like that's their favorite fishery in the country and uh it, it makes sense on why it, it and, and there's a lot of there's so much strategy that that's involved like it's, it's not so much on figuring out how to how to get a bite but the strategy of like okay how do i get a few more fish than everyone else or how do i get just a little Absolutely. bit bigger average than everyone else is uh, is everything right Mm-hmm. What, what this question is on on here? I was like, "What's your favorite tournament? What's your favorite bass fishing lake in the country?" Oh man, that's that's a great. It's it's all those smallmouth lakes for me, bro. Like I I love going up there and doing that. It's almost like to me, it's like fishing. It would be like going and fishing in Mexico for largemouth, and then you know coming back to the U.S. and being like, "Dang, you know, I gotta." I got to figure out how to get back into this again. Cause this is, it was way easier down there. <laughs> and like, that's how it is up there. Like we had to fish Toho uh, before I cast for a couple of days and yeah. after fishing St. Lawrence and, and right before fishing Champlain, <laughs> I'm like, how the heck am I going to get fired up to fish Toho dude uh, yeah. in the summer? Like, I, oh, how about you, man? 120 degrees. I, I have three, I have three favorites. Champlain's one of them. Um, Chickamauga, of course. Um, and then Okeechobee. Interesting. I think they're all so different. Like, that's what, if I had three lakes that are my favorite in the country to go to, those are my three. Because Okeechobee's so unique, not as far as, it can be so hit or miss, but it's so unique as far as running into, like, reed boat lanes and, like, going back in places. I think it's just a crazy cool fishery. But that one from to me is so unique and so different than anywhere else in the country. Um, and obviously, Champ, you know, Champlain being that you could catch largemouth or smallmouth. Seems like the smallmouth have been dominating more um, as of late than than more that seems to be getting a lot bigger. But that I mean, especially back in the day when it was like you know Thai versus up north, you know, you had so many hundreds of you know thousands and acres of water where these fish could you know that are everywhere. So. Uh, those, you know, those are my, my three. Like, I always think about that because I'm like, you know, I like St. Lawrence, but if you had a place, you, you got to figure out, if you had a place to, that have a house on, Josh, where would it be? Where would it be? Like, if there's a smallmouth fishery for you, what is the mecca of smallmouth fishery for you? Yeah, you, you're asking all the good, hard-hitting questions, man. Come on, um, man. I got to get a I got to get a place. I mean, small now. You got to, what is your favorite small now? Dude, it's hard. It's hard not to say St. Lawrence. And the reason for that is you got Lake Ontario right there too. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, you could, you, there's so much water up there. You're not, you're not far from Champlain. You know, if you live up, up around Thousand Islands, dude, you can be at Champlain and, and literally do a day trip if you wanted to. Um, I don't know. To me, that's it. Like if you, there's, there's maybe some single places like down around Buffalo that, that are amazing, but you don't have the options that you do up around St. Lawrence. Do you agree? 
I would have to agree with that. I'll tell you what was a place that really surprised me was Sturgeon Bay, how awesome that place was. That's up there, how too, many numbers for sure. Fish. That's, a, that's a really unique – there wasn't as many – they catch giant ones there in the spring. There wasn't as many great big ones. But there was – I was a really – I was really shocked at what that place, you know, had. I was like, whoa, huh, man. Like, yeah, there's a lot of great small my fisheries, but – that, I figured you would say the, the, the St. Lawrence. I mean, it is special. That is a special area. There's no doubt about that. There's not a place like it. And, and truthfully, I don't think there's a place that there's – the fish are built like that anywhere else. Like, I've that's, not seen that consistently. It's a good point. Yeah, like you catch a giant on Lake Michigan or even in St. Clair. Like, they just – eerie. They're, they're like a couple inches longer. They got big heads. I mean, they look like they're 10, 12 years old, but you catch one on St. Lawrence and you're just like, look at this freak. You know, it's, it's head yeah, is like, like a three pounder. Crazy. Like if they had the genetics or whatever, like they just have, have so many gobies and they still have one eerie a decent amount, but it was like, I remember back in the day, it used to be, and it was starting to see that in Oneida too, how they have that, that St. Lawrence bill. And it's like, man, when they have that many gobies, it's like, golly. Those things just like a four pounder turns into a five pounder really quick. <laughs> Seriously, did, hey, did you see all the gobies when you were looking through the flogger down there? Did you see all the the gobies crawling around those beds? Oh my gosh, insane, insane! Like that's what I like. I caught a couple of them that had them in their mouth, like choked. <laughs> <laughs> how do you? I mean, how do you even catch a bass when there's that much food around? It's amazing. Those fish literally can oh. eat anytime they want. They just open their mouth. You would literally it's just like oh i mean that's why they don't like that's why they stay so fat though there is no free like post-spawn they're not like post-spawn beat up they just eat the whole time like it's no big deal there's another little i mean and those things are so like you know full of protein big fatty little you know like perfect for them they're just like oh okay i'm getting another one of these things like thanks a lot man <laughs> fly by come on like Seriously. it's craziness i mean those those small amounts that, that is a cool there's so many unique places that, that, that we go, but there's so many, you know, great places that we haven't gone, you know, and that's, that's like, it's always that interesting to see what the schedule is going to be and everything else. But that, that place is uh, it's a super cool fishery, man. That it's um man, St. Lawrence River. It's definitely got a lot of, a lot, a lot of big ones in it. And it's pretty dang cool. Jacob, have you, uh, have you fished out West at all? I've not, and that that is see. My thing is, I want to spend. I hope we go to like so many brand new places, dude. I've heard of great things of Havasu. I've heard of great things of of Clear Lake, and and even like Mark talking about Berryessa and the Delta. Like all I hear about these stories, and I'm like, man, I got to get out there. Like I'm Coral Lane, and I'm like, I gotta go. Like I gotta go. <laughs> like yeah. if we don't go out there, I'm I'm, I'm praying that we come out west um next year if not next year the following year for that because like I, I i just think it has to happen sooner rather than later i agree i think it it's uh it's kind of ignored and it's probably in my opinion some of the best fishing in the country what, what's your what's your favorite lakes out that way well i mean we fish just me personally i fish the the central arizona lakes um yeah but you know when i was fishing tournaments i'd fish uh anywhere from the columbia river to the Delta, Clear Lake, Havasu, Mead, um, Lake Powell, you know, but it's, I don't know. I just think Northern California fishing is as good as anywhere in the country, but. Gosh, 
It's you funny know, to hear. Yeah, I feel uh, like, go ahead, Jacob. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry no, 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 no. You're the guest, you're dude. You get, you get precedence. Go. No, I, um, yeah, I, I just think that if we could just figure out how to go out there every other year, yep. like, I just feel like that would be like, that's fair. Like, let's do like, and, and maybe, maybe not every other, maybe every third year, whatever, like just like, but make like a, out of seven tournaments or whatever, we fish three of them out there, two of them. Like, I think that's so cool. Like, and there's some places out that way. I'm sure that no one even fishes tournaments, like big tournaments really, you know, not, not everybody goes to like, there's gotta be a couple little places that are, you know, little hidey holes and little unique areas and fisheries that not many people fish. Yeah, definitely with your format with the 40 boats a day, you could, uh, you guys could fish in Northern California, hit a bunch of little, you know, phenomenal bodies of water. Dude, I, I can't even imagine anything better. Like there's something great. Like, and I love fishing some of the same places like Josh and I were talking about, you know, like St. Lawrence River and Champlain. And some of there's nothing better than going to a body of water you've never been and trying to figure and put the pieces of the puzzle together, and especially when there's not information. There's not, and inf- information on the internet really like a, of like oh well this is how it goes down I'm like there's not a tournament history you just got to go out there and figure it out there is not a better feeling like it's just like dude you're like heck yeah let's go figure this thing out yeah because it's like you're starting over it's like you're you're I don't know it's just something new I agree with that 100 percent it's a special feeling yeah just yeah. launching the boat and idling out when like you have no idea what's around the corner yes yeah I mean that's New like Oahe was a really cool one that we fished, you know, a few years ago. That was a really cool event. I thought that was awesome. One of I my mean, favorites ever. Yeah, seriously, seriously, that was really cool. There's got to be some, which I don't know. There's got to be some stuff like that that we can that we could sometime like you know. There's got to be little places like that now. I mean, I know guys would get to where like, oh man, I don't want to drive that far, but like, listen, guys, like. We gotta do that. Like that's a that has to be a must. Like every maybe we gotta figure out like every third year or whatever we gotta go because like I just hear too many great stories and I think that we just we it, it does get ignored and I think it has to and maybe not even going to all the same old same old maybe trying like you said going to places that aren't really on the map or some maybe go to like clear like with that but add to that maybe not anybody's really ever fished. I mean, that would be the that would be my my hope was hope let's hope that happens anyway that's a cool perspective dude it's cool to hear yeah from a guy that's living in tennessee that wants that and i think uh, most of the guys would agree like we'll go really far uh for good fishing and if the fishing like that's the number one thing like you only get you get eight or ten shots a year to, to go to one of these you know big tournaments so mm-hmm. uh you you want them to count and you want them to be uh to be good fisheries and and uh yeah who cares if you have to drive an extra day to get there, man. It's, it's worth it in the end. If it's, if it's awesome and it's different and uh, all we've got a lot of Western listeners to the show. And uh, I think they're all going to uh, be happy to hear you say that. Yeah. On one, one thing here, you're saying like, I, before we go, I wanted to ask you, you're saying that if the fishing is good there in the fall, like what, what goes down there in the fall, you know, October is really good. So like, you know, it's here, it's, it's not, what's the difference to that way? Like what, what sort of transpires? Well, you know, what's interesting is like, 
the fish get super grouped up here in the fall. So like, um, like they'll school up midwinter on a lot of the lakes, you know, the clearer, clearer lakes in the South and the Southeast and stuff. Like they start to school up here, even in like October. And um, you'll have some fish really shallow, chasing bait up shallow. And then you'll, um, so October is like a super top water month. And then uh, you get into November and then they, they group up real deep and you can start to have those big number days uh, spooning. So like uh, just to, to, to me, the top water bites fun, but, but anytime those fish are really wadded up is like, it makes it really fun to go fishing. Cause you know, if you get, if you hit things right, you might catch 40 or 50 fish in a day. And um, there's just only certain times a year you can do that. D- do you agree, Rob? Oh, for sure. Uh, especially on our central Arizona lakes. I don't know if that goes, you know, all the way throughout the West. Arizona is different because we have, our seasons are so weird. Like you go up North and those fish fatten up for the winter and these fish just, we just don't have that. We, so we have the, like Josh said, they'll school up deep. They'll, uh, you know, it, my take on the fall here is they'll either be ultra shallow or ultra deep and nothing in between. Mm. Do you agree with that, Josh? Yeah, for sure. So you just have so many fish doing one thing. They're yeah. in one spot and, uh, you know, it's such a, it's such a mild fall. It's such a mild winter out here. The weather's great. Um, yep. It is weird. It's just, it is weird to hear like about how tough, some of those lakes do get back east. You hear about the Ozark. I've, I've been to Table Rock in October when it's just like 12 pounds. It's great. And, dude, um, brutal. <laughs> yeah, you've been there, dude. We, we what, both fished there year is that? one time. What time of uh, year is that? Is that before it gets cold there? Yes. Josh? Yeah, I once it gets cold, it gets ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, when it gets cold, it gets awesome in the Ozarks, man. The Ozarks are like the best winter fishing in the country, but um, the yeah, fall it stinks, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not very good. Like, I mean, another thing like this, okay? Like, like Chickamauga, same thing. It's like, it'll take 20 pounds or 25 pounds a day, you know, 20, 20 pounds a day to win a tournament here in June. But in the fall, it'll, it'll bear, in a, in a five fish tournament, it would take like 13 pounds a day to win the tournament. Where do the fish like, go, Jacob? I, I don't, I can't point my finger. Like, I, it's very interesting to me because like, I've always thought that, like, on those clear, like, I, I somewhat understand a little bit. Like, it, I, it's sort of like what you guys have there. It's more of a bait thing. It's more of this fish getting grouped up out deep. They're they're all over the place. Like, there are just so many fish are suspended. But on these on these reservoirs like the Tennessee River, I don't I don't quite understand where they all go. Like, I'm talking like in June, like or even July. Like, You'll go out there, catch 100, 120, 130 bass. Like sometimes, like it, it, it's insane. And like, and you go shallow and catch 30 bass, 30, 40 bass. Like, and it's like, what transpires? I feel like what, and I'm not saying this all the time, but I, I feel sometimes it seems like it's just they get so dialed in on, on that little tiny bait that it becomes like you can't, they're almost uncatchable most of the time. Like, and you don't, they're just over there eating that little tiny, like that year's hatch of shad. And it, and it becomes like the toughest thing to, so you throw up experiment or chatterbait or whatever. <laughs> it's like, good luck trying to catch one on that. Like huh. you catch the bluegill eaters, but it's like, they're, they're so dialed into what they are eating that it's, I, maybe they're there and just not, 
you know, using the right techniques or maybe it's pressure. I, I just, it is, it is sometimes the toughest bass fishing <laughs> you could ever see. Like you gotta, I don't know. Like it, it, it's a really a, um, it's a, it's a mind boggling time of year to try to figure out these bass out in the, in the Southeast specifically. And I think you can like spotted bass fisheries and stuff like that, like even like Lanier. I think it's a, you know, it's still pretty solid, but the Tennessee rivers more specifically, and even like, but even like Bill Hollow, like the fish tournament up there in late October, uh, Toyota series last year, that's a Highland reservoir. Some really good large mouth in that place. One of the best smallmouth fisheries I've ever fished. Um, for you know, down south, and like I think I had like seven pounds a day and finished the top twenty. Wow, so crazy! It's like, you got to be mentally like, tough in a tournament like that, man. And yeah. and finding one little deal, like capitalizing on every single bite you get, and finding one little deal can can take you a long way. That's what deer hunting Absolutely. is for. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. That is what deer hunting is for. I don't want to rule for men to have it. That's it's crazy, man. but I. I I, what are your thoughts on this, Josh? I was sort of like, I, I uh, was sort of thinking about this one myself. What are your thoughts on grinders? Like, I, I, you know, grinder tournaments, obviously it's great for us as a, and I want to hear some people that are out there, you know, listen to, like, what are your thoughts watching live? And, you know, is it great to see everybody reeling them in? Or do you want to see us out there on the Ohio River, like, you know, grinding for a, thir- you know, 14-incher, or 13 inch or trying to catch seven pounds a day to win this turn, you know, whatever. Like, you know, it's just, they're catching six or seven bites. Like what's your thoughts on it? That's interesting. Well, we need, we need the listeners to write in. You guys can write into us, write into Jacob. Uh, let us know what you think about that because it would be real interesting to hear what people like to see uh, on a, I don't know, dude. I mean, it's, it's hard to watch paint dry when you're, when you sit, sit down and, and, and you're watching and no one's catching fish. But I think uh, from a hardcore fisherman's perspective, uh, I think it's, it's a nice change of pace to see how, how guys can break it down when it's really, really tough. But we have some of them in the early season, right? Like, like even on the Bass Pro Tour the last couple of years, like absolutely. Uh, when you go somewhere and it's flooded and cold, I mean, there's been plenty where like seven bites a day was great, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, fall this year was was really tough. I mean, it was not an easy bite. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. My my take on it is the grinder tournaments. Uh, as you're watching them, let's say you watch the pr- produced program afterwards, which they don't do that much anymore, do they? But anyhow, watching the live, I mean, you're watching the guys that are leading, and it's super impressive to watch a guy absolutely slam them in a grinder when everyone else is struggling. Where the smallmouth yeah. tournaments, um, it gets a little monotonous watching everybody catch four and five yeah. pound smallmouth. But as a fisherman, I would rather obviously be doing that. But um, uh, it's, I don't know. I like them both. Um, the, my only thing is this time of year, all you see is the big smallmouth derbies. But I'm not going to say I don't like them because I, I mean, that's like in Josh's wheelhouse, and I love when he does well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he has a good he has a good chance. He's always real on the field. That's like, yeah, there's no doubt yeah. about that. <laughs> he has no issue with his small mouth and him are like that's his best bud. Like, yeah, for small sure. Mouth. What's up, guys? Josh, it's Josh Bertrand. I just need like one smallmouth tournament a year, dude. That's all. Uh, and then the rest of the year, I'll be super average. But if I can have one or two a year, I'm happy, dude. And, and 
yeah, now that you're killing the smallmouth, there's like, yeah, there's there's no hitch in your game at all, dude. So, um, but <laughs> but they're really fun. I mean, they, they're they're fun, and they uh, I get what you're saying though, Rob. Like, dude, if every single tournament all summer long it's like that, you know, it's cool at first, but but the, by the time you're watching your seventh, you know, smallmouth whack fest, it's like, okay, come back to reality here, and uh, let's see some fishing like we have in the rest of the country. I get that. Yeah, but the the general public on a those grinder tournaments, they sit and watch the guy leading the tournament. They're like, oh, that looks pretty easy. But in reality, put them out there and it's it's not as easy as that guy's making it look. So that's very true. You know, that is a good point. Very good point. Well, dude, uh, hey, man, we we really appreciate you coming on, man. We got more stuff we could always ask you, but I'd love to have you on again. Um, I know uh, you got some uh, catching up, unpacking to do. You were out the last few days. But, uh, Rob, do you have anything else uh, more for Jacob before we let him roll? No, dude, other than thanks for coming on. It's been awesome. And uh, good luck the rest of the season. And uh, safe travels, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. You know, oh, man, it's always, always great to have that insight. Of, I, I just such like a – it's like a big fairyland out there to me because like, I don't get a chance to go out west. And so, like, I, I just enjoy talking to you all about it because it's like, what do I, you know, it's like, I want, it's like Disneyland out there. Like, I want to go to Disney World. Like, I just hear all the good stories. So, hopefully, one day we'll get out there and, and holler at me anytime. And I, I enjoyed, uh, enjoy talking to you all. Thank you, man. Hey, well, when your hey, kids Josh, get a little older, what's that? I said, hey, and, and Josh, take it easy on the yeah. smallmouth. Okay, yeah, <laughs> right, dude. When your kids get a little older, you take them to the Grand Canyon. Hopefully, we'll have fished a few tournaments. But, dude, save an extra couple of days, and we'll take you to all these these fisheries, man. You got an open invite 100%, anytime. 100%. 100%. We'll make it happen. Awesome, Perfect. man. Well, travel safe up there, dude. I will uh, see you in a few days, man. Thanks again. All right. See you all. Have a great all day. Right. See, see you, man. You.